Hello and welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. Here we explore the opportunities and challenges facing the higher education business office. And on this episode, we're going to examine the recent deliverable from Nakubo in our State of Higher Education series. We're going to look at what is possible with higher education. And the answer is more. And here to talk about it is my colleague and friend, Lindsay Waite, Nakubo's Senior Director of Analytics. Lindsay, so glad you're able to join me for this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, glad to have you back. Yes, yes. So, Lindsay, I said that the more is possible with higher education as part of a, a series of resources Nakubo has been producing for quite some time now. I was wondering if you could give our listeners a refresh or, in some cases, an introduction to this larger project. So our work in the State of Higher Education series started in 2019 with a brief that we called Perceptions and Priorities. And this piece was really designed to bridge some conversations we saw happening in the higher education space that felt a little disconnected. On one side, we saw policymakers, the general public, including students and their families, having concerns about student loan debt. Uh, the price of tuition and fees, just how much it costs to go to college, and also having conversations about free college. And then on the other side of things, we saw administrators uh, and other folks who worked at colleges and universities having conversations around revenue demands, uh, changing business models, and just really the rising costs that, that institutions have to meet in order to provide quality education to students. So that's really where the conversation started. Since then, we've released you know several briefs, several slide decks, uh, and all of those are accessible on Nakubo's website. So if you go to Nakubo and then you click on resources, and then click on State of Higher Education. You can find all kinds of slide decks and briefs around the value of higher ed. uh, And we have some specialized topics in there too. Right, right. And it's, like you said, it's really kind of ranged. uh, And and full disclosure, I've worked with Lindsay on this project. uh, So uh, it's really ranged. I mean, you know, from kind of longer form pieces to read, like you said, to tools for folks to use. So uh, kind of a range of, 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 of deliverables there for folks. But um, if it's okay, then maybe we're just going to jump right into the more as possible. Yeah, of course, of course. All right. All right. So with the more as possible project at the highest level here, right? What was the team trying to convey? We are talking about the value of higher education. Yes. 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 We are talking about the value of higher education. Uh, and one of the things that you would see in this more as possible deliverable is that, yes, despite the rising price of higher education, which I'll admit is a, is a real concern uh, for folks today, uh, and this is a very data-informed uh, project, all of the data still points to higher ed bringing a return on investment. And that's not just for students, although students do indeed get a return on their investment in, in attending college so long as they're earning their credentials. Uh, but then we also see benefits or the value of higher ed also being shown for communities, uh, for states uh, where these colleges and universities reside. Right, because it's not just the, the, the students and the families that are making these investments. Uh, these communities, these campuses are putting a, a, a fair amount of money into this. So let, can we jump into those benefits? I think that's really kind of the fun bet. Yeah, right? the meat of the conversation. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's like, uh, you know, we have you know the public good conversation part here, improving one's you know, personal finances. You've got 
people engaging more with their communities. Uh, I was wondering if we could kind of go into a little bit of each of these here. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely go into uh, each of those a little bit. And I'll try to touch on, you know, some of examples of the kinds of things we have in the slide deck. So folks know maybe how they might be able to use it in their communities. Uh, so I'll start, Brian, you mentioned, uh, first of all, the, the public good that higher education brings uh, to their communities. Uh, so some of the slides that we have in this deck that folks might want to use as they engage in these conversations focus on things like research and development. Uh, so we know higher education plays a really big role in the United States in terms of, uh, you know, R&D. Um, and so if you look at the deck, you can see several categories listed. But, you know, I think maybe what might be fresh in a lot of folks' minds right now um, is still uh, the, the different medical advances or the role that colleges and universities played as we navigated the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, higher education really played a lead in that. Uh, and I'll say if you look at the more as possible deck, you'll be able to see some slides that outline uh, some, some of that. Uh, and you can also read in, in the briefs that we've included uh, and see some more specific examples about the role higher ed has in R&D. And I'll say that's not the only example, though, Brian, uh, of how higher ed really does have a role in providing for the public good. Um, we also see, and there's data in the deck, um, about uh, people who do earn their higher ed credentials. They are more likely to volunteer, so be engaged in their communities to give back to others. Uh, we also see that these folks are more likely to donate to charity, uh, and they're also more likely to be uh, voters, uh, so to participate in civic engagement. And so uh, higher ed definitely plays a role when you think about what citizens are doing, how folks are engaging and making life better for others, whether they attend higher ed or not. You know, higher ed really is investing in the communities. Uh, and then, Brian, you mentioned a couple other areas, too. What did you want me to hit on next? Yeah. Um, well, you know, we had talked about, you know, personal finances and, and engaging with communities. We kind of touched on that. But, you know, even going back to 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 research, I, I, I do think sometimes it, it, it bears repeating um, because so much when we think about R&D and, and, and the like, um, that you're right, it, it does come from higher ed. And I think in, in some folks' minds, sometimes they think, okay, education and, and teaching, but the research, my goodness. And as, as we're, you know, you think about what could the next, I don't want to say what the next crisis could be, but you know, we're in the throes of summer here. It's, it's super hot across the country as we record this and we think about energy and all of these other projects on campus. So, you know, that, that public good component is, is definitely not something to sleep on. Yeah. And I know so far we've been talking about the public good component in terms of what the public is really getting out of the, the taxpayer investment into higher ed, but, but it's, Beyond that, too, uh, and some of the other slides that we have in the more as possible deck also talk a little bit more about what I might call the, the community good um, or, you know, kind of looking things at, at for more of a financial perspective from the states and the institutions. Um, and so one of the slides that we have in the deck shows that for a majority of states in the United States, uh, colleges and universities are the largest employers in their states. Um, and so you really start to see then the economic impact that these institutions have um, on their not just local communities, but on the entire state. And I would also point out if we're really looking at some of the, you know, financial gains to the communities, uh, when you look at the average lifetime contributions of folks who have earned a bachelor's degree compared to those who have only earned a high school degree, we see a lot more uh, like actual dollars going back to communities and to their states. For example, uh, on one of the slides in the more as possible deck, we have a couple data points. One shows that Folks who have earned a bachelor's degree uh, over the course of their lifetime will give uh, 
uh, $278,000 more back to their local economy than individuals with only a high school diploma. In addition, we see that also over the lifetime of folks who have earned a bachelor's degree tend to give back on average $44,000 in uh, state and local taxes than their counterparts with only a high school diploma. And so, you know, these are more than just saying people vote more, people are more likely to volunteer or give to charity. We're actually seeing, you know, real dollars and cents going back to states and their communities because they've invested in higher education. Yeah, the tax base, looking at this too, it, it's just, I, I think the team really did a great job of, of, of laying out some of these data points for folks to kind of digest. Yeah, with the um, employers in the States, I think you're right. It's something like 40 out of 50, I think, right? Or, or close to that. I, yeah, it's really close to that. Yeah, yeah. Remarkable. And then, um, you know, we'd also uh, um, touched too on, you know, with, with some of the changing demographics. I didn't know if you were going to talk a little bit about kind of as we look at, at, at students who are enrolled and then as, as more folks gain access to these goods and these opportunities. Yeah, and that definitely ties back to the overall goal of the project. Remember, I had said there were these two kind of conversations going on that felt disconnected. And these are the points in the slide deck that I think really bring those conversations together. We know that the demographics in the United States is changing. Uh, I know a lot of institutions are preparing for, you know, the quote unquote enrollment cliff that we're about to hit here in a few years. And institutions are, you know, especially those who are very much tuition driven are very concerned about what that's going to do on the revenue side. But the further you dive down into that data, the more important it also uh, highlights the importance of higher ed for all of these communities and these individuals. So when we look at those changing demographics, um, I can say that already in 2015-16, uh, and this is one of the data points in the deck, but already in 2015-16, more than half of all undergraduates in the U.S. were first-generation students. In addition, uh, you know, I, I know we've got this enrollment cliff coming, but we also see a shift in the demographics of those who are uh, graduating high school and also those who are enrolling in higher education. We see more and more students of color. We see more and more students coming from uh, lower income backgrounds. Uh, and also we see a growing share of, of uh, older students. So a majority of students, uh, not a majority, but a larger share of students are going to be aged 30 or older uh, as we look at who really is attending college. And I think that that is uh, important to tell as part of this story when we think about what is possible with higher education? You know, who are we really serving? And that demographic has shifted. And so when we think about the benefits, we really need to be thinking about, you know, who are our students today? Are we really ensuring that that everybody, everybody who's accessing higher education is getting this? Because we're seeing lots of shifts in who is attending college or who could attend college. I, I wanted to, to take another look because I know this was a conversation that we had too, you know, entitling this even more as possible. Uh, with higher education, I mean, that's also a little directed towards educational institutions themselves, right? What, what they should be doing? Yes, yes, yes. It totally ties back to their mission. Uh, I'm going to share one, one extra little data point, maybe, uh, you know, as we're thinking about the value of higher ed, as I transition into talking about what we mean when we say there's still more to be done on the institution side of things. And that's that when we look at some data from 2021, we have a slide on the median weekly earnings of individuals with uh, different uh, degrees. And when you look at how much an individual with a bachelor's degree earns, uh, the median earnings for those individuals
individuals is $1,334 versus individuals with a high school diploma, their median weekly earnings is $809. And so it's definitely important for institutions to realize that, that it is important to make sure that students aren't just getting into college, but they're getting through to their degree so that they can all actually realize not just those additional earnings, but all of the other benefits of higher ed as well. But as I had mentioned, Brian, there's changing demographics. Who is attending college is different. We also know that the cost to provide a quality education has increased uh, over the last few years. And so all of that to say, your question, Brian, yes, institutions have to be doing more in order for them to continue to fulfill their missions for students uh, and their local communities and their states. Uh, there's quite a bit more work that colleges and universities have to do. I will recognize, I know institutions are doing this work. Uh, so some of the data points that we cite in the resource come from some of the research that Nakubo does. Uh, so for example, we include some data from both our, our tuition discounting study, as well as our study of endowments. Um, and the data points that we're pulling there are showing just how much colleges and universities are investing into financial aid for students. And that's separate from any state or federal aid that students might be receiving. These are institutions' own dollars that they they are investing back into students so that students can access their institutions. And then the same, the data from our endowment study shows something very similar, just by and large, how many, uh, how much of uh, uh, institutions uh, endowment earnings they're really putting back into students into student access. Uh, so there is work institutions are doing, but yes, there's more they should be doing or could be doing. Right. Any um, kind of, um, as you think about it, if you had to put like, you know, big buckets here, like what, you know, on that call to action for institutions, what, you know, from the view of, of Lindsay here, what might that look like? Well, not just the view of Lindsay, but I will say if you go to the slide deck, the very last slide, we actually do summarize with some some areas where Nakubo thinks, uh, you know, college and university leaders could be doing more. Uh, and we've kind of put that into four different buckets. Uh, one is to invest strategically with the limited resources that they have. Two is to make sure they're relying on data and analytics as they're making decisions for how they're going to allocate resources or how they're thinking, you know, about supporting students best at their institutions. Three is that they need to be advocates on behalf of higher ed. And four is they need to innovate. Um, so be creative, think differently, you know, because we see our, our mix of resources is changing, our mix of students is changing. And so we're going to have to be a lot more creative, more innovative going forward. Well, and certainly this tool and the other tools that we've developed help folks be advocates for. I think these are kind of guides, uh, uh, um, outlines, uh, blueprints to help folks uh, with uh, their efforts to advocate, to share stories, all types of campus leaders to do their part to kind of tell the story of higher education. And I think we could do probably a podcast series on all of those um, items that you mentioned, including yes. <laughs> a a advocacy, but um, and it, I can't help, but, you know, with your title, Senior Director of Analytics, if you could just go maybe just a little deeper on calling on institutions to leverage those, uh, those data and analytics tools. I'm going to give an example uh, that's actually going to be from one of the slides in the deck. Uh, and translate it to how I think institutions might really be able to leverage data and analytics to support students' admission. So one of the data points that we have in the More as Possible deck shows higher education outcomes for students based on demographic characteristics, uh, specifically looking at students' family income. And what it shows is that as of 
2020, about 15% of students who are in the lowest uh, income family quartile are likely to earn a bachelor's degree by age 24, whereas 59% of individuals who come from the highest income quartile are likely to earn their degree by age 24. And I highlight that example. I know that data is at the national level, but that shows an example of what institutions might be able to do at, at their level. And how are you disaggregating some of your student data as you're thinking about how can you best support students? What outcomes are, are folks attaining? You know, where are your attainment gaps? You know, is it based on income? Uh, it, you know, it might be based on race. And we have some examples of that in the deck. It might be based on other characteristics that students have. But institutions need to start thinking about how they're using the data, not just big picture and what are you reporting in your fact books, but how are you focusing on disaggregating the data so that you can really support students to make sure everybody has an equal opportunity to attain their credential. So that's one example. Brian, can I give another one too? Yes, yes. And before you do though, I will, I know probably people are saying, hey, Lindsay, Brian, this is a podcast, this is audio, you're talking. Again, to remind (laughs) folks, from our homepage, nakubo.org, and we'll include a link to this, but you just go to the resources tab and it's right there under state of higher ed. But yes, Lindsay, please go on. Yes. Uh, and this one, I won't try to quote any, any data examples that you're going to want to go back and reference the slides on. Just the other point I wanted to make about how you would leverage data and analytics to support uh, students and also make sure your institution is financially stable for the long term. And that's to think about how are you structuring your data and analytics? What is your data governance policies and practices? How have you thought about data literacy at your institution, not just for folks who might be your core analytics staff, but everybody, because everybody has a role um, in a data-informed culture at a college or university. And so the, the one of the and maybe this would count as innovation or a strategic investment. So maybe I'm hitting on a few of the items here. Uh, but I think one of the things that institutions will need to think about is how are you structuring your data? What are your data policies? How can you make sure everybody has access to it in a way that they can understand and then translate into action uh, for their students? And so to make that a little more concrete, I might say, you know, in this post COVID-19 world, we see a lot of institutions thinking differently about how they're using space. And so how have institutions structured both their data around space utilization and also their academic data or their student success data to think about how you make the most of the space you have in a way that's meaningful for students and also helps your uh, faculty and staff be more productive? Two fantastic examples. For sure. Thank you. And I, like I, said, I know we could do a full, a full series just on these. Um, so as we kind of uh, get closer to wrapping up uh, here, Lindsay, there's a clear connection here with, with how campus leaders can use some of these uh, takeaways to, to help them communicate, like I said, about higher education to their boards or communities, respective students. Um, in your mind, is this something that could be utilized by folks who might not be on a, a college or university campus? Yes, yes. Um, and I do think it is on the, in, on our leaders at the colleges and universities to start getting the information from this slide deck out to those folks. And I've actually already seen, uh, examples of folks at Nakubo member institutions doing exactly this. For example, somebody I talked to who works in a provost office, uh, used the deck when they were, uh, working with their institution's board. So sharing with them some general trends, um, that are going on in higher education and why their institution might need to think a little differently or do, you know, some things different when it comes to 
planning and budgeting. Uh, I talked to a CFO at a different institution, uh, happens to be a public institution, and they pulled out some of the, the slides in the deck and used them when they were presenting information with folks at their state legislature as they were advocating for things like state funding. Um, and so those, those are just two concrete examples of members I've talked to. I would say those aren't the only ways that you could use this or, or ways to make connections between this information and the public. Um, I think actually quite a few of the slides, uh, I could see folks at institutions using them when they're talking about uh, finances at their institutions or how things are going with their strategic plan planning efforts when, and as they're communicating all of that to students, to faculty, to, to other community members. And so there's definitely a lot of connections to folks off campus or outside of the institution who could really use all of this information. And we definitely tried to present the slides in a way that it is easily understood by folks who don't have a background in higher ed. Right. That's, that's the key. Cause yeah, I could see this. I could see someone picking this up in a high school guidance counselor office in an office on Capitol Hill. I mean, there's something in here that most folks could, could take away a few, a few lessons from, from this. So to kind of wrap up here, Lindsay, at the beginning of the episode, we had, we have talked about the state of education series. Um, again, just want to remind folks: how does this again tie into some of the other deliverables uh, that have come before it in that series? Yeah, there really is an ongoing conversation in our state of higher ed uh, work. Uh, the different products and deliverables that we have available on our website. I really see this more as possible slide deck as almost a response to the deliverable that we released prior to it, and that was the top five business issues in higher ed, where we really reached out to members and we asked you, what are your biggest business challenges at your college or university? You know, what do you need? What do you need from Nakubo? What are your biggest uh, challenges that you're focused on right now? Uh, And then this more as possible deck was almost showing like those challenges that you're working on. You know, what's the value in those? Why are you working on those? And then I will say the next deliverable that we're working on is another version of that survey on the top business issues in higher ed, uh, which I will see as a response to this one. So we almost have this back and forth of, you know, what is the good that you're bringing to your students and your communities? But also, what are the challenges that you're having as you work on really delivering that? And it's almost like this back and forth conversation uh, that our members should be engaged in and hopefully that they're sharing with, you know, other folks at their institutions and, and other folks who should be aware of what's going on in higher education today. For sure. Yes, definitely uh, a back and forth and, and the work never stops uh, on campus and certainly not for us. But Lindsay, this has been great. This is, unfortunately, this is all the time we, we have for this episode, but I did want to thank you for, for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really great. I love talking about the value of higher ed. I love that this was such a, an uplifting topic, and I do hope everybody dives into the slide deck and finds, finds ways they can use it to make meaning at their own institutions. Great. Again, thanks so much, Lindsay. This was a great conversation. And as always, thanks to all of our listeners. We hope that you tell a friend or a colleague about this podcast so that they and you can both join us on the next episode of Nakubo in Brief. Take care, everyone.